Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, and welcome to The Truth with Bill. Hi everyone and welcome back. Thanks for joining me today. I hope everyone has had a good week and a safe New Year's. Today I'd like to talk about the universe. And I do not mean the thing past the stratosphere. By universe I mean those chance events that lead to a change in life or lifestyle. An event that comes from nowhere and alters your life and does so in a beneficial way. Sometimes the universe gives us things that we disregard or shun away. And we do so because of cultural backgrounds, religious backgrounds, all of these social norms that we are told are right and all that are not right. Some of these can be speed bumps for us. Some of them can be blockades, never allowing ourselves to get past popular opinion, thereby leaving us stagnate with X amount of growth. We cannot directly control our biological evolution, but we can control our conscious evolution. Progression of conscious evolution is dependent on the individual's openness. Openness without preconceived judgments. Openness to races. Openness to cultures. Openness to religions. Openness to sexuality. Openness, openness, openness. Openness requires no physical movement. Openness is mental. Openness is your ability to recognize something that is outside of your comfort zone and ask why. When you have the question of why and it is A, then everything that revolves around A must be brought to the table. A must be studied from every angle, every perspective. No stern, no stone is unturned regarding A. Only when we know everything that there is to know about A should we feel satisfied. And what happens when we know everything about something that before that something gave us fear, gave us hatred, gave us whatever negative term you'd like to use? What happens? That something does not give us fear. It once did. That something does not give us hatred or whatever term we'd like to use because knowledge changes it. In one of the podcasts before, I spoke about my Reiki attunement experience, all the events that transpired before the Reiki experience, everything that led up to that point in time was completely out of my control. And I would define that as a gift from the universe. This gift was accepted without much thought of any uh, personal, I'm sorry, uh, the gift was accepted without very much thought of any personal religious defilements. But I, I think if I were raised in a strict Catholic household, I may have perceived the universe's gift differently. Looking back, I could safely pinpoint that moment in time as a moment that gave me more overall openness spiritually. Everything after that event was another confirmation, was another step in the evolutionary ladder of consciousness, and the growth continues. Speaking of such things, the tarot cards are a good example of the universe showing me something and I ignoring it for my own personal blockages. Well, let me explain. Tarot cards and playing deck card readings is something that my family did. My grandmother saw a reader, my mother saw a reader, on the other side of the family, although to my knowledge they did not seek out readings, they did entertain a certain romanticism with the occult and spiritual things that would be deemed as a no-no by their practicing religion. The blockage for me came when I saw a legitimate card reader. She read from the playing card deck, and, and to this day, 
things that she had said seemed to still be holding true. Scary true. That surely wasn't something that would create a blockage. Um, and by blockage, I, for myself, I mean an unwillingness for me to use the cards. And with that being said, it was me trying out the cards that created the, the blockage. So when you first start out, you, you look at the cards and read them quite literally. And it's not until you use your intuition, second sense, whatever you'd like to call it, that you begin to get a reading. This reading is much more accurate. And there lies the problem for me. It, keep in mind this is a personal conflict and, and one that I think gives us a sense of how and why we may throw some of the things the universe is trying to give us away. So with accuracy in a reading, one begins to question how one's response would have been without the forewarning. And it does not necessarily have to be something negative. If I told you the next bottle of water that you were going to drink would be the very best of its kind, how would you respond differently to drinking water than after? You would just drink this very best bottle of water? Or to be so good that you would covet it, that you would put it on a pedestal? Maybe you would never drink it. It would forever change the next time you tried another of its kind. Nothing would compare and you would lose interest. In this example, would it be better to know that, that the water is the best of its kind? Another way to look at it is such. Through history, people began to, to read the cards because they held a certain similarities to human nature. The hills and valleys for all of us. If you read the richest man or woman's cards, they too would have reversals. I believe, for me, it is my personal biological connection to those hills and valleys that make me judge them, which then gives me an uneasiness. When I've read my own cards, I have seen my own hills and valleys and have been able to pinpoint them. There is a certain attachment to them that prevents me from seeing them for vase value. Why? Because I can't disattach myself from them. So I, I think these hills and valleys, although slightly different, are probably the same hills and valleys for all of us. And, and sure, they're, they're different specifically, but the old saying of throw everyone's problems in a bag and you'd be lucky to pull out your own stands true. So as I've taken my own advice and, and have done some research on, on the tarot cards, um, I came across this book. Uh, the very first book um, that popped up was uh, 78 Degrees of Wisdom, a book of tarot by Rachel Pollock. And uh, from it, I'm just going to read a section because it really brings all of this together uh, of what we're talking about. Uh, so just give me one moment to pull that up. Okay, here we are. The tarot, like many systems of thought, indeed like many mythologies, symbolizes duality as the separation of male and female. The Kabbalists believe that Adam was originally a hermaphrodite and that Eve only became separate from him as a result of the fall. In most cultures, to a greater or lesser degree, men and women see each other as very distinct, almost separate societies. Today, many people think of each person as having both masculine and feminine qualities. But previously, such an idea was found only in esoteric doctrines of unification. If we picture duality dramatically as male and female or black and white, 
we also experience more subtle splits in our ordinary lives, especially between our hopes, what we imagine is possible, and the reality of what we achieve. Very often, the actions we take, we turn, we turn out not to fulfill our hopes for them. The marriage gives less than the total happiness expected. The job or career brings more frustration than fulfillment. Many artists have said that paintings on the canvas are never the paintings they envisioned. They never can express what they really wanted to say. Somehow, the reality of life is always less than the potential. Acutely aware of this, many people agonize over every decision, no matter how small or great, because they cannot accept that once they take an action in one direction, they have lost the chance to go in all the other directions previously open to them. They cannot accept the limitations of acting in the real world. The split between potentiality and reality is sometimes seen as separation between mind and body. We sense that our thoughts and emotions are something distinct from our physical presence in the world. The mind is unlimited, able to go anywhere in the universe, backwards and forwards in time. The body is weak, subject to hunger, tiredness, sickness. Attempting to resolve this separation, people have gone to philosophical extremes. Behavioralists have claimed that the mind does not exist, only the body and the habits it develops are real. At the other end, many mystics have experienced have experienced the body as an illusion created by our limited understanding. Christian tradition defines the soul as the immortal true self existing before and after the body that contains it. And many religions and sects such as the Kabbalists have considered the body a prison created by the sins or mistakes of fallen ancestors. At the source of all the dualities we find, we feel we do not know ourselves. We sense that deep down our true nature is something stronger, freer, with great wisdom and power, or else a thing of violent passions and furious animal desire. Either way, we know that this true self hides, or perhaps lies buried deep inside our normal, socially restricted personalities. But how do we reach it? Assuming the essential self is to be a thing of beauty and power, how do we liberate it? The disciplines we call, quote, the occult sciences begin with a strong awareness of all these splits and limitations. They then go on, however, to another idea, that there exists a key or a plan to bring everything together, to unify our lives with our hopes as we release our latent strength and wisdom. People often confuse the purpose of spiritual disciplines. Many think the tires for fortune-telling, that a clemist want to become rich by changing lead to gold, that Kabbalists aim at a psychological unification. The base mental that the alchemist wishes to change to gold is himself. Accepting the doctrine that we have fallen from a perfect state to a limited one, the occultist does not believe we must simply wait passively for some future redemption by an outside agent. On the contrary, he or she believes it is our responsibility to bring about that redemption by finding the key to unity. The tarot depicts a version of that key. It is not the key, just as it is not really a secret doctrine. It represents a process. And one of the things that it teaches us is that we make a mistake when we assume that the unifications come through a very simple key or formula. Rather, it comes through growth and increased awareness as we travel step by step through the 21 stages of the major arcana. So I, I really thought that that quote from that book just kind of opened everything up for us, really touched um, with everything we've talked about uh, and how funny it is that that's what I find right away after thinking about this podcast. Um, so really interesting stuff. I, I think for today, I want us to all come away with thinking of, of what the universe had given to us 
What have we accepted? And what have we not accepted? Why have we not accepted some of the things? Um, should we have accepted them? Maybe we could try. Maybe we could learn more about the things that, that we don't like or that don't seem to settle well with us and learn everything about it and see why it, it doesn't settle with us. So I want to thank you all for joining me today. I hope everyone has a good week. I love you all. Uh, thanks for listening. This is The Truth with Bill.